you for joining me today. Wow, I'm, I'm really excited that we're going to be covering um, the mysteries of God. Matter of fact, we're, we're at part five continued. We started a part five last week and we talked about Revelation 17 and the woman on the beast, but we only were halfway through the story. And, and I'm really excited that we're going to be able to continue that story today because you see, we've been looking at the fact that there's 11 mysteries. And these are mysteries or are things that were for clear understanding. And they were in the mind of God, they were in the plan of God all the way from the very beginning. Even before the foundations of the earth were established, these mysteries were already in the plan of God. And so they were surprises for us because he allowed the, the development of God's word to explain these things to us. And believe me, when you see what he explains to us today, you'll understand why this would be a mystery a long time ago, but today we have a really clear picture of what's taking place. And so these mysteries are something that can be understood. They're, they're surprises, and as we go through the Bible, we'll find that God has these things in his plan right from the very beginning. We've looked at a, a total of 11 of them, and uh, so far we've, we've covered, I think, six or seven of them. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the mystery of the woman on the beast, Revelation chapter 17. As I mentioned, we started last week, but we'll conclude it today. And next week, Lord willing, we want to look at the mystery of iniquity, the Antichrist. And again, you'll see how these flow together in such a, a re remarkable way. And so these are 11 fundamental doctrines of the Bible. Let me tell you that only when you can understand these 11 surprises or plans of God do you really have a, a good understanding, a good grasp of what God is trying to accomplish as he writes the Word of God for us to study. Remember, the Bible says it would be workmen that need not to be ashamed, studying the, the Word of God, rightly dividing the Word of God. And so these are so important for us in our understanding. Now, as we look at these things, we found out last week that, that really the timing of Revelation 17 and 18 is critical. You see, Revelation chapter 17 and 18, I call them summary chapters. In Revelation, for the most part, it's a chronological uh, display of God's plan. Remember, on several occasions, we studied and mentioned the seven churches that are in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Well, those chapters 2 and 3 would be right here. This would be the church age. It's where we're living right now. But chapter 4 begins the rapture, the catching out of the church. And we have a, a chronological display of God's plan. And when you come to chapters 10 and 11, again, we find an interval of time. Remember, we did a, a several lesson a series on the quest for dominion. And we saw how important that was. And so that was an, an I'm going to call it an interval. And then again, we find the, the chronological explanation that God gives in the book of Revelation as we go through the remainder of the 21 judgments. But when we come to Revelation 17 and 18, these summary chapters, it says, okay, here's a summary of what has taken place. Now, if you keep that in mind, I think it's going to really help you understand what God has in mind for us. And so to, today, we want to look at five items that are really working together in the end time to do the work of the devil. Now, that's pretty strong language to say, but it's true. And I think as we search the scripture, you're going to find out how God has laid this out and, and what a wonderful display of God's plan. And so here are the five entities that I see working together. Satan himself. The Bible says there's also an antichrist. He's opposed to everything that Christ is. There's a false prophet. He's opposed to everything the Spirit of God is. And then last week we were introduced to the harlot, a false religion. And now this week, Babylon, the political and economic system of apostasy. 
Now, when we went to the harlot, the false religion, remember, we did this by doing some background work. We went all the way back to the book of Genesis. This is incredible. You see that really we've progressed about 6,000 years from the book of Genesis. And so when we come to Genesis chapter 10 and 11, we're probably going backwards about 5,000 years. And as you look at that 5,000 years going back, remember we saw that there was a civilization that came after the flood. There was Noah and his three sons and the descendants of those. Eventually there was a man by the name of Nimrod. And Genesis 10 talks about the fact that he was a, a mighty rebel against God. He, he did rebel against God. Everything he did was defiant of God. He was jealous of God. He was mad at God. And he even thought that God might choose to destroy the earth again with a flood. And so that's why he wanted to build this, this ziggurat, this tower up to heaven. And so that man could be their own gods. That rebellion that he started in that tower and in that city, remember it introduced two God-defiant systems. One was a God-defiant religious system where that man was his own God. Frankly, I, I'm frightened because I see that taking place today. I listen to people as they describe their, their beliefs, and, and wow, they, they really see themselves as God as opposed to a holy, sovereign God of the universe. And then he also started a, a God-defined political and economic system. And you might say, well, is it really a picture? Yeah, I think it was a foreshadowing of what's going to take place in the end time. We're going to be continuing our study on that today. But it began in Genesis chapter 10 and 11 with Nimrod and the Tower of Babel and the, the Babel of languages that spread people out. And then we went to Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 5, and, and what an interesting story is there. Remember, I said that Zechariah was kind of the ABCs of prophecy. And in the ABCs of prophecy, remember, he explains the fact that there would be a woman, a wicked woman, the, the Bible calls her, this is wicked, and that wicked woman would, would be in a, a basket, a commerce basket, uh, something that would be worldwide, so it had to do with the, the political and economic system for sure, and she was restrained with a lead weight. But when the lead weight was removed, two women, two evil women come out, and they had wings of storks, and remember, we found out that storks, they, they don't deliver babies, but instead, they take things back to their original base, and they fly this, this ephod right back to Shinar, the very place of Babel and Babylon, and they talk about how it will establish again an evil political and economic system. So these visions of Zechariah 5 and the story of Genesis 10 and 11, they tie in with what we're going to study today. Now we go back to our chart, five entities. And remember the harlot, she comes to power. I think that the harlot comes to power with the Antichrist and with these 10 kings, the, the kings of the world. I think they come to pass in the first three and a half years of the tribulation. And remember, she was so arrogant. She, she rode in luxury. She rode with, with gold and, and precious uh, stones and, and pearls and, and red and purple colors. And, and she rode on the beast. She sat on the beast. She was comfortable on the beast. In other words, she was flaunting the fact that she committed fornication with these kings. They, they were married in a, in a way that was very unusual because, you see, the kings, they were gaining something. I think the woman was helping to unite the people. She would come with a false religion. She would break down all religious barriers, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Catholic, Protestant, it didn't, even atheist. I think she'll unite. The, the world's looking for a belief system, and, and it could even be the environment, or it could be global warming. It, it could be lots of things. But let me tell you this, it's defiant of the living God. 
And so she rides to power with him. And then what is so incredible, what we found in, in Revelation chapter 17, it says this, that the kings decided to turn on her and they hated her. They destroy the false religion. I really think that this comes about the time of Revelation chapter 13 because the Antichrist says, no, I want worship. I'm not gonna share my worship with, with uh, this harlot. I want worship myself. And so remember he says people have gotta take a mark of a beast and they're gonna worship his, the image of the beast. And so what an incredible turn of events when we found in Revelation chapter 17 where the Bible said, uh, said, the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the harlot, shall make her destined, naked shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. They do her in. Next, what we find is the ten kings now commit themselves to the Antichrist. Revelation chapter 17, verse 10 through 12. It says, the beast comes to power. And now the ten kings, they come to power and they say, wow, we, we can't handle this. So they give all their power to this Antichrist. And so now the Antichrist stands exactly where he's always going to stand. You see, he uses, he uses kings, he uses religion, doesn't matter. You see, he's a master, Satan's a master of using people. Matter of fact, you know something, he'll use any one of us. He used Judas and threw Judas aside. He tricked Eve and tossed her aside. And he uses all of us and he'll toss us aside. He only cares about himself. And so, what happens next is also incredible because the Bible says that this political and economic system is going to be destroyed by earthquakes and fire and God himself. Now, now what a story. Do you see that of the five entities now, now two of them have been destroyed. And so I believe that this is about the time of, of Armageddon described in, in Revelation chapter 18 and chapter 19. And so what happens? Now the ten kings are done in. And so the heart is destroyed, the, the, the fake anti-God political and economic system is destroyed, the ten kings have given their power to the Antichrist. There's only three entities left, and these are Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. That's what the devil wanted all along. And let me tell you this, the Bible, God's plan and God's will, explains how he will deal with each of these entities. Let me tell you, there's a, there's a quest for dominion for sure, and it's God against Satan. It's Antichrist against Jesus Christ. It's the false prophet against the Spirit of God. And I'm going to tell you this in a happy fashion. God prevails and God wins. Let me just read to you one verse in, in Revelation chapter 17. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he's the Lord of lords, and he's the King of kings. And they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. And that's us. That's the bride of Christ. These are Christians. We come and we enjoy the victory that he has. Now, having seen this overall scenario that's going to take place, let's go back to Revelation chapter 17 for just a few minutes. Because in Revelation chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, these are the verses that we read. It says this, Three and a half years into the tribulation, the ten kings don't need the harlot, and so they choose the Antichrist instead of the harlot. And it's unbelievable because this harlot that was so immoral and so willing to commit fornication with them, selling herself for any kind of luxury and any kind of power that she could get, all of a sudden they, they turn on her and they don't just rape her, they kill her. The Bible says they make her desolate and naked, they eat her flesh, they burn her with fire, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast, unto the words of God shall be fulfilled. Notice this, all they can do is the will of God. 
You see, we're studying the will of God. We're studying the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God were not something that was secret, no. It's something that's gonna be revealed at the proper time. And so the Bible says, yeah, they're gonna give their kingdom unto the beast. Remember our last diagram? We saw them destroy the heart, give their power down to the beast because they thought, wow, you know what? We don't need her. And it looks like the Antichrist, he's gonna be the, the one to side with. It looks like he's the one that's gonna have the power. Now, notice this, because when we come to Revelation chapter 18, it begins this way, and after these things, and so my question is, after what things? Well, I think it's after these things, after the woman is destroyed. So Revelation 17 is a description of what takes place in the tribulation up through the first three and a half years. And once the world is united using some kind of a religious system, now the Antichrist says, huh, I, I don't, we don't need the, the, the false uh, religion anymore. We don't need apostasy anymore. We've got people where we want them. They're taking my mark. They're committing themselves to, to buy and sell, to, to do commerce and, and to do political things. So they get rid of her. And the kings, the 10 kings, they say, you know what? Th this is bigger than we ever imagined. But we can't control it. And so they give their power to, to the Santa Christ. And so now the woman is destroyed. I think that's the beginning of chapter 18. Notice verse 2. It says, and he cried, a, a, a strong angel comes. It says, having great power. And the earth was made bright with his glory. And he cried, Bab mind to leave with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, is become the habitation of demons, and the habitation of every foul bird and spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Often in scripture, a bird is referred to as something that's an evil spirit. And so this says it becomes the habitations of devils. You see, remember in Ephesians chapter six, it talks about the believer's armor. Do you know, we're really in a spiritual battle. And sometimes it's easy for us to forget that. We begin to think that we're just fighting nature or maybe we're just fighting each other. No, we're fighting in a spiritual battle. That's why we have spiritual warfare and spiritual armor to go along with the battle that we're fighting. And so it talks about the fact that Babylon, that's the system, not the city. The system of Babylon is great. It's fallen, it's fallen. In other words, it's fallen twice. It, it's, it's not gonna recover. And it's, it's already become the, the dwelling place, the stronghold, the hideout for all uh, evil things that can go on. Now, Revelation chapter 18, it goes a step further. Notice this. This is powerful. It says this, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Did you see what it's saying? It talks about the successful businessmen who are doing business by deceiving people. Now I put an array of pictures here. You might even recognize some of them. But you wanna know something? We're, we're watching today people that have a lot of money and to make more money, they're not afraid to lie, they're not afraid to deceive, they're not afraid to do whatever they need to do for their own good. Some to control populations, some to control technology, some to, to control votes and, and, and what parties are in. But I'm astounded because you wanna know something? I see business people, political people, coming together to control people. They don't wanna give people a, a free will. They don't wanna give people a choice. They want them to choose what they want. And Revelation 18, verse three, talks about the fact that these men will become rich. They become drunk with their power. They, they, they've committed fornication with, with the political and economic system. They are the merchants of the world. They waxed rich through the abundance of their delicacies. Aren't we watching that take place? 
And so as we look at this, I want you to see there's three warnings that God gives very clearly. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. What a warning. Part one, come out. You see, I believe today many people are suspicious of the power that's gone to political people and the business people. They can turn you off on, on any social media they want. They, they can make it so that you can't be heard or seen. They can destroy your life. They, they don't mind doing that. They do it for their own power, for their own good, for their own, for their own uh, economic purposes. And so the first warning is this, come out. I think it's a warning because you see in the Bible, in Revelation chapter seven, we saw that there are some people who have never heard the gospel clearly before the rapture of the church, which takes place in Revelation four and five. I think it's these people that will have a chance to come to Christ, but it will cost them because the Bible says that there will be persecution. Matter of fact, most of them will lose their lives. And so they, they have to fight against the Antichrist and his program. They're gonna have to fight against these 10 kings. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to escape the, the harlot. And so these merchants who are among the last to be destroyed, well, they have a grip, they wanna control people, maybe through a device, maybe through a mark. I, matter of fact, next week, we're gonna look at some pretty scary things when it comes to what the Antichrist can do in terms of marking people. So warning number one, come out. And God's word, Revelation chapter seven, says that a multitude of people will come who have not committed themselves to this Antichrist and it will cost them dearly, probably their life, part one, of the warning. Then there's part two. And part two is in the next verse. Revelation chapter 18, verses five and six. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Wow, that, that's something. You understand that, that God does know right from wrong. God does say there's an established standard for what sin is and what sin is not. And God will remember their iniquities. And then it says this, that, that God rewards. Do you understand that, that God will judge every sin? I'm so glad that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I, I had many sins. One sin is enough to send you to hell. I had a, multiple sins. And God judged my sins on Jesus when he went to the cross. How important was it when Jesus said, it is finished the work that saves is done. My friend, today I invite you to come to Christ. I invite you to, to lay your sins there on Jesus and let him pay for them with his death and with his shed blood. But you see, these people, they refused Christ. They chose the Antichrist. And so it says, reward, reward her, even as she rewarded you double unto her, double according to her works in the, to the cup which she have filled. And then it says double again. Now, you see, here's a principle of, of farming. Whenever you put a, a seed in the ground, when a man sows, he expects to reap. And if he puts one seed in the ground, he doesn't expect to reap one seed, does he? No, he puts one seed in the ground, he expects to reap 50 seeds or 100 seeds or 1,000 seeds. In other words, that's the idea of farming is you reap more than you sow. In the book of Hosea, it says this, they have sown the wind, they shall reap the whirlwind. It, they, they sowed one thing, it came back even stronger. And so it is with this. They sought destruction and trickery and deceit of people. And, and God says, I'm going to reward it back to you. Warning part two. He said, be careful because you see, doubled is used three times. The first time you double one, it becomes two. When you double it again, that's, that's really like taking it two to the second power. That's four. You knew I'd work some math into this prophecy lesson, didn't you? 
And then it says doubled again. It's like two cubed because, see, when you doubled one, well, you got two. And when you double two, you get four. And when you double four, you get eight. And so these judgments of God, my friend, let me tell you that when God brings his judgment upon this political and economic system, they will regret the fact that they were so deceitful in all their practices. They will regret the fact that they blasphemed the name of God. If we went back to that picture, you can go across the board and almost every one of those people have blasphemed the holy God of the universe. And my friend, there will be a day that they will regret it because God will remember their iniquities. And so the Bible says it's going to be eight times worse and even more. Remember, the hearted in verse 7, she lived luxuriously. She glorified herself. She comes to a bitter end in one day, according to Revelation 18, verse 8. Then shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, famine. She shall be utterly uh, burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And so there she is. All of her trickery, all of her deceit, all of her immorality, all of her hatred for God will be brought back to her and it will soon fall on the political and economic system as well. Then we come to the vengeance of God, part three. There are three judgments that the Bible talks about here. You see what I'm saying? This chapter 18 is an incredible summary of what's gonna be taking place politically and economically in the world, not just in one country, but in the world. Because Babylon, remember, was a picture of a world system all the way back in Genesis 10 and 11. And so here's what the Bible says. The Bible says it begins with the kings. In verses 9 and 10, it says, Now, once the hearted is done, the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. They're talking now about Babylon. All of a sudden, all their, their stock has been put in this political and economic system that they thought was foolproof. They thought that they invented themselves. God says, no, I'm going to judge it. And so it says destruction comes in one hour. All the time people ask me, do you think the world's going to go broke? I said, well, I know sooner or later it will because the Bible says it will. Will it go broke before the rapture or not? I think the rapture's coming soon. The rapture may come today. The rapture may come before our program is over. And you see, it would have to build up to a, a, a huge, uh, incredible apex again because when it's going strong, Revelation chapter 18, it says that in one hour it will come to desolation. The kings will, will be shocked at it. Next, the judgment will be upon the merchants. Verses 11 through 15, I tell you, you read that. It says the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. What? The destruction of Babylon. For no man buys their merchandise anymore. And it begins to list merchandise of luxury. It begins to list food of luxuries and all this. And verse 15, the merchants of these things who were made rich by her shall stand afar off in the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple, scarlet, bedecked with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches are come to nothing. My friend, judgment's going to come. And then the Bible even talks about shipmasters. In other words, it, it's not going to be just on, on the land. It's going to be worldwide. And in one hour, the political economic system is going to be made desolate. My friend, do you understand that most people today are living for the paycheck, are living for a, a home or a car or an education. In one hour, these things are going to come to nothing. Here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that people are putting their, their hope in things that are just for time and not for eternity. And so Revelation 18 and 19, they begin to give an incredible contrast. The contrast is this. There's something going on on the earth, 
and it's opposed to something going on in heaven. So when you come to Revelation chapter 18 and notice verse 19, it says, they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and waiting, alas, alas, that great city in which was made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her coastlines, for in one hour she's made desolate. She goes to mourning, she goes to desolation. But just one verse later, it says, all right, those of you in heaven rejoice. Isn't that something? Here, they're mourning, they're in desolation, and in heaven, there's rejoicing because God has avenged his holy name. My friend, don't feel sorry for me. Because you see, I've committed myself to Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my King of Kings. And in the coming day, when he reveals who he is, he will destroy the political and economic systems of the world. And I will not, I will not be sad that I don't own much in terms of this world. I would rather have a place with my Savior than to have the, the biggest bank account in the whole world. The Bible speaks of this often. What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? And so we're watching these things take place. Here's another contrast. It says in chapter 18, verse 21, violent destruction. All work and commerce stops. Drugs are rampant. You know what? We're watching activity of the world, and it seems like it doesn't matter what's going on. We're bent on, on luxury. And the Bible says it will all come to a sudden end. But in heaven, notice the contrast. Instead, there's hallelujahs. I mean, this is amazing. It says, hallelujah, praise the Lord. So be it, Lord. In chapter 19, verse 1, verse 3, verse 4, verse 6, in other words, they keep shouting, hallelujah, 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 praise to God. And finally, you know what happens? It ends with the crescendo of presenting the Lamb's wife. Now, the wife of the Antichrist, the heart of was destroyed. And Jesus Christ, his wife, the Lamb's wife, she will rejoice and be presented in the favor of God in living in heaven. Wow, isn't there a huge difference? My friend, you understand that you get to choose? Your final destination, your final treatment is your choice. How will you choose? You see, you either follow the, the, the devil and the antichrist and the false prophet, and you're sucked in by the, by the false religion, the harlot, or the political system, the economic system, or you choose Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 19, as it describes the, the allelujahs, as it describes the presentation of, of the, the Lamb's wife. Listen to verse seven. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And then it talks about how they're, they're gonna be dressed. And then it talks about how that, that when this marriage takes place, something incredible is gonna take place. Christ is gonna leave heaven and he's gonna come on a, on a horse. And, and we see this described in, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. And so here he comes on a white horse. You see, the last time the world saw Jesus, he was hanging on a cross, and he was put in a tomb, given up for dead. Now we who have been raptured, we see him in his glory in the midst of the throne of heaven in Revelation chapter 5. And we see all the beauty that he has. And then we have the judgment seat of Christ and we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And now at the end of the seven years of tribulation, now he comes back 
to claim his victory and to claim his power. He'll ride on a white horse. His name will be faithful and true. I can't think of anyone who can be described as faithful and true other than Jesus. And then it says this, his eyes will be like a flame of fire. He'll come in judgment. My friend, every once in a while, don't you look at the news and say, wow, I wish there would be a righteous judgment of what is taking place. Because our court system sometimes has gone astray. And, and sometimes people get treated unfairly. My friend, when Jesus comes, he will judge righteously. His eyes will be a flame of fire. He will, he will judge in truth. Then it says that he has a name that no one knew but he himself. It's a secret name. I think it has to do with the glory of God. I think there'll be a time when the world's going to see him in all of his beauty and all of his glory, even though it's in judgment, and they're going to understand, wow, that really is the God of the universe. That really is the, the Messiah, the Savior. It says he's going to have a vesture dipped in blood. When he was here the first time, blood splattered his body as he hung on the cross. When he comes this time, his vesture, his coat that he won't give up, this time he did at the cross, this time he won't. And that will be blood stained, not with his blood, but with the blood of his victims. His name will be the Word of God. For sure, this has to be Jesus. Remember what it said in John 1.1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And they will see him and say, wow, this is the fulfillment of God's Word. This is the fulfillment of the, the mysteries of God. Armies will follow him. That's where I come in. Those of us who are the bride of Christ, we get to go with him. He's going to come back to this earth. He's going to settle the score. It's called Armageddon. You can find more details on it on our episode number 48. It says this, that he will have a, a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. In other words, with the, the sword, I think it pictures the word of God, he will judge the world. He'll say, here's what my, my word said. Here's what my, my word said. And it should have been done exactly as I said it, but you didn't believe it. And then his final name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Wow. What a, I, I look at that and say, you know what? It must be Jesus Christ. That's all it could be. Now, my friend, we're looking at Revelation 17, 18, and 19. What a summary they are. Do you see how they fit together? It's incredible, isn't it? Because now Armageddon comes, and Jesus Christ rides through. He lands on the Mount of Olives across from the Temple Mount. I think when he lands there, there'll be an earthquake. It'll split the, the gate wide open. And when he comes, he'll reestablish his glory on the Temple Mount. He'll go north to a place called Megiddo, where all the armies of the of the world are gathered to, to do battle to destroy Israel, and God will come in the nick of time. And when he does, he talks about the fact that he will judge the devil, he'll judge the Antichrist, he'll judge the false prophet, the others have been destroyed, and he will come. And with his power, he will judge them. But listen, for those that are saved, guess what? We're with Jesus in victory, and we're with Jesus in heaven. When I look at this story, that's recorded in God's Word and it's been recorded in the mind of God from eternity past, in the Word of God for at least the last 2,000 years. And I say, are you ready? Because you see, I believe that we're right on the brink of Jesus coming back. We're right on the brink of, of Christ calling the church home to be with Him, to really become His bride. And then judgment breaks out on the earth. Oh, my friend, Satan will have his heyday. The Antichrist, will, he'll come to power. The false prophet will deceive people. The false religious system. Folks, do you understand what's taking place in churches today? We're already there. The harlot is rampant in many of our churches today. It's a joke. 
but we, we've turned so far against God's word. We're, we're accepting all kinds of social issues as, as fundamental doctrines. It's wrong. God said he will judge it. My friend, you could be in heaven with Jesus or you could be in destruction with Satan. That's, that's what he wants. He wants to doom you to hell because he knows that's where he's going. Are you ready? My friend, has there ever been a time that you admitted to God that you're a sinner? All to sin, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. Have you ever acknowledged, I'm a sinner? One sin offends a holy, righteous God. And because we've sinned, we've offended him. But here's the good news. Number one, when you admit that you're a sinner. Number two, have you ever acknowledged the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't have any sins of his own, but he had my sin, he had your sin. What a Savior. What a God that, that would take our sin and would pay the penalty. The penalty was death. The penalty was shed blood, and he shed his blood for my sin, for your sin. Have you ever acknowledged that fact? And number three, has there ever been a time that you personally accepted him? You received him. The Bible said this in John chapter 1, verse 12, to as many as received him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. My friend, today, you could pass from eternal destruction to eternal life in heaven. You could go from being lost spiritually to saved spiritually. You could, you could turn from being a part of the, the kingdom of, of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet to being part of the kingdom of God. Are you ready? You see, you get to choose your final destination. But let me tell you, the world in all of its, in all of its uh, glory right now will be judged. And in one hour, it says it will come to nothing. It says it will double the wrath and double the wrath and double the wrath. In one hour, it will come to nothing. It will be worthless. But a life in heaven with Jesus, wow, what an investment when you accept Christ. Would you accept him today? And if you know him, would you live for him today? I think we're on the brink of Jesus coming. Are you ready to see Jesus if he comes today? Father, we come to you. And I want to thank you for the written word of God. I want to thank you for the mysteries of God that are now revealed to us. Not revealed to us because we're special, but revealed to us because the word of God contained what these surprises were and what they mean. And Father, no one at any time has ever seen the setup of the world the way it is today. Father, I pray that there might be some listening who will come to Christ even today. They'll say, I don't want to be a part of the judgment of God with the Antichrist and, and, and Satan, but I want to be part of the kingdom of God with Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that they will come today to Jesus. Father, I pray for those that know him, maybe aren't living for him. Father, may they turn from their, their laziness, may they turn from their idleness, may they turn from whatever keeps them from living totally and wholly for God. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you again for your Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.